Thank you, Brother Terry. I guess that's all we can do right now is just imagine what that's going to be like. If you brought your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians, then we're going to look at Revelation chapter 20. You'll have to listen real quick this morning, but I believe the Lord has a message for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I struggled this week. Man, I went to the state convention. God spoke to me down there, and I'm thinking, you know, so much that God shared with me uh, while I was away, just in quiet moments, about things we needed and things I heard down there. Let me give this statistic to you right quick while you're finding that. I was thinking about speaking about parents and, and their families this morning. And they gave a statistic in 1972, Southern Baptist baptized. 179,012 to 18-year-olds. 179,000. Southern Baptist Convention baptized 179,012 to 18-year-olds. In 2018, Southern Baptist baptized 35,012 to 18-year-olds. Big difference. Says a lot. Says a lot. So we'll be addressing that a little later on about what we can do to reach our 12 to 18 year olds and keep them after they leave home. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians 4, familiar passage, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those who have died, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. He's not telling them not to grieve, but he's saying you don't need to grieve like those that have no hope. Verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also died in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Keep your finger there, mark that page, turn to Revelation chapter 20, we're going to bring it all together. Revelation chapter 20, I'm going to be sharing with you this morning about meeting the Master face to face. Revelation 20, we'll drop down to verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Hmm, must be two. We read of two. So blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. On such the second, death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Drop, if you will, down to verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, which the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Verse 11. And I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled, 
fled away, and there was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So you have two resurrections. 1 Thessalonians 4, Revelation chapter 20. 1 Thessalonians 4 deals with the person who has died in Christ, who is a believer. Uh, Revelation 20 is a person who has died without Christ, who is an unbeliever. So 1 Thessalonians 4, Revelation 20, declared to us a biblical fact, real simple, something that is for certain, something that is imminent, something that's actual, an actual event, an actual occurrence. One day you and I will meet Jesus face to face as a believer or an unbeliever. We're going to meet him face to face, mark it down. That's going to happen and so the big question is this, when you meet Jesus face to face, will it be a glorious experience or will it be a terrifying experience? Always had a horror being called to the principal's office. Didn't know what to expect. I knew there was some power in that office along with something else. <laughs> Never wanted to go to the principal's office. Well... You're going to meet Jesus one day face to face as a believer or an unbeliever. So first of all, if you're taking notes, a glorious experience awaits the believer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, God's people, they were worried about their loved ones who had died. Some thought that they would re they'd miss the return of the Lord. Paul says, I've got some good news for you. It's not hearsay, he says. It's, it's not gossip. I mean, it's, it's not self-proclaimed, it's not speculation. First Thessalonians 4.15, it says, But I say unto you, by the word of the Lord. This is something the Lord said. This is His word. The Lord said this. One day a trumpet will sound. He says, And the dead in Christ will rise first. And the dead in Christ. Well, what does that mean? Well, those who died physically believing in the Lord Jesus, believing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the dead in Christ that believe that Christ came according to the Scripture, that He died according to the Scripture, that He was buried according to the Scripture, that He arose according to the Scripture, believe in the gospel, they turn from their sin, turn to this person they believe to be the Son of God, the Lord, the Messiah, believed in his atoning death, his substitutionary death, placed their faith and trust in him for their eternal salvation, not themselves, not their righteousness, but placed their faith and trust in his righteousness. And by grace alone, through faith alone, they placed their faith, trust in Jesus Christ. God saved them and placed them in his dear Son. And when the trumpet sounds, those who have died in Christ shall rise first. My dad's going to rise 
If that happens today, he's going to rise first because I'm still living. My mom's going to rise first. Our infant child that died years ago is going to rise first. Your relative that has trusted Christ will rise first if they've died. But there's coming a day when there's going to be this movement in the cemeteries, a movement in the oceans, a movement in the seas, wherever the bodies remain of those who've died in Christ, all of those will rise first at the sound of a trumpet. Verse 17 in 1 Thessalonians 4 says, Then we which are alive and remain, if we happen to be alive, if we're on the, we may be on the first, the first rise, but those of us who remain, if we remain here, then we shall be caught up. So the point is, it doesn't matter if you're dead in the Lord, it doesn't matter if you're alive in the Lord, if you're a believer, you're going to be caught up. That's what the Bible refers to in theological circles as the rapture of the church. Now some today don't believe in the rapture, because they say that word's not found in the Bible. They believe in what's known as a general resurrection, where God is going to raise everyone dead, and He's going to call a meeting with all of those who have not died, and He's going to make a separation, those that are good, those that are evil, sending those to hell, those to heaven. But there's only one problem with that. You have 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to deal with. And so all through the Word of God, you'll find emphasis about God's people being called up. You know, the word rapture is not in the Bible, but the word called up is. The word called up comes from a Greek word known as, the Greek word is harpazo, and the Greek word has three meanings. Let me give those to you real quick. The first meaning of harpazo, called up. Rapture is not in the Bible. But caught up is, harpazo is. And it's a more forceful word than the English word rapture. Called up, first of all, means to leave with force. That's that meaning. So the point is the devil and his demons occupy this lower atmosphere. They prey on Christians. They disrupt the work of the church. And they keep the unsaved insulated from the gospel. But praise God, one day, the believer will be leaving with such force that nothing will hinder us from going up. We're going to be caught up. We're going to leave with a lot of force. I was in an office, Judy and I both were, a couple of weeks ago. And I was talking to this lady, and we'd gone in there to take care of some government business. Not going to jail or nothing, don't, don't. Don't worry about that. <laughs> and uh, I could tell she really wasn't a Trump supporter. I don't know how you fit in all that. I'm not a Republican, Democrat. I'm a Christian. Okay. And um, so she made this statement. She said, um, you know, one day, you know, you have to have a Social Security card, but you've got to have a birth certificate. And she said, I understand that, that President Trump's going to have a roundup. He's going to check everybody's birth certificate. I said, I, I, said I, I don't know about the roundup, but I know about being called up, and then one day I'm going to be called up. Don't worry about the roundup. 
You better know, don't worry about the roundup, folks. You're going to die one day. You need to be in the caught up when it comes that time. We're going to leave with force. Nothing on earth, nothing above the earth. It's going to hinder us from going to be with our Savior. We're going to be raptured. We're going to be caught up, leave with force. Second meaning would be trans- transferred from one place to another. John 14, 3 Alludes to this, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again. And where I'll be, there you'll be also. We're going to be transferred from this world to a place that he has prepared for us called heaven. So to be called up, transferred from one place to another. And then the third definition is to be rescued from destruction. Rescued from destruction. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Paul said you've turned from God, turned from idols to serve the one and true living God. Verse 10, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from what? From the wrath to come. So the Christian, we're not going to go through the tribulation, as some believe. We'll talk about that a little later when I preach on the tribulation. But he's delivered us from that. That's why he saved us. So Harpazo, leave with force, transferred from one place to another, to be rescued from destruction. 1 Thessalonians 1, 9 through 10. So what happens after we're caught up? Verse 17, to be part of that, says that believers... Dead and alive, or alive, are going to meet the Lord in the air, and so we'll ever be with the Lord. Isn't that neat? We're going to meet the Lord in the air. So the point, one day as a believer, I'm going to see Jesus Christ for the first time face to face, the one who created me, the one who saved me, the one who died for me, forgave me, the one who answers my prayers, always there when I call out to Him, I'm going to see him face to face. And that's going to be a glorious experience. For how long? Going to be with him forever and forever and forever. It's what the song says, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see and look upon his face, the one has saved me by his grace. And he takes me by the hand and he leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be when we see him face to face. When the believer meets Jesus face-to-face, it's going to be a glorious experience. And so there's going to be a glorious experience for the believer when we meet Jesus. But secondly, there's going to be a terrifying experience that awaits the unbeliever when they see Jesus face-to-face. Now, if you're here, you're a believer, a lot to look forward to. It's going to be a glorious time. Unbelievers, it's going to be a terrifying experience. Look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. So there's another one coming. He's going to rapture the church. We're coming up. Those who are dead, we're going to be, those who are dead, maybe me, I'm going to be caught up. If so, those that are alive, going to be caught up, and we're going to be with the Lord. But later on, there's going to be another resurrection. He speaks of that in verse 6. 
Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Verse 10, and the devil shall be... Uh, that deceived them, was cast into the lake of fire, brimstone, where the beasts and the false prophets are, shall be tormented day and night forever and forever. Then what? Verse 11, And I saw a great white throne. So here we go. I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. So first of all, there's a place of judgment. You have this white throne. White symbolizes purity and holiness and righteousness. You see, there's, there's no perfect person standing there. It's the person on the throne, the white throne, perfect, pure, and righteous. And so no sinful, unperfect person will ever live with God. Impossible. So if any of us are going to live with God, our imperfections must be removed. And so how can that happen? Something has to happen to your sin. You can't go to heaven as a sinner. Something has to happen. Your sins have to be taken care of. And that's why Jesus came, died on the cross for your sins. Put your faith and trust in Him. Your sins are forgiven. You're made right with God. He clothes you with His righteousness. Yours is His filthy rags. Not going to get you to heaven. He said, well, how can this happen? Well, Christ came, he died for our sins, he took our sins upon himself. That's what Isaiah 53, 6 says. All we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. The point is, Jesus took my sins, died for my sins, and experienced the judgment for my sins. And when a person truly believes... Jesus, in Jesus, trust Jesus, God imputes his righteousness to that person and saves that person. This is not hard to understand. It's just difficult for some people to choose Jesus. The point is the unbeliever has refused the gospel and has made a choice to trust in his own goodness. I'm going to put all of my eggs in one basket. That's Jesus. If Jesus don't get me to heaven, I'm not going to heaven. Now you, without Jesus, you're saying, I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket, and I'm going to trust in my own goodness, my own righteousness. And if my goodness don't get me to heaven, I'm not going to heaven. Really? You're not going to heaven. At the great white throne, the unbeliever will stand before God. You'll be bearing your own sin yourself. Think of that. The place, the great white throne, the time of judgment. The Bible says heaven and earth are going to disappear. It's just going to, I don't know, I can't only imagine it being a, just kind of a mass explosion. And the world as we know it is going to be destroyed by fire. Verse 11 says something interesting. It says for the lost person, you know, verse 11, Revelation is dealing with the second death. Verse 11 says, and I saw a great white throne from whose faith... The earth and heaven fled away. There's, there, there's kind of, you know, there's no earth and heaven at this time. And there was found no place for them. Isn't that strange? Underline that. The lost person has lived for the world. And then all of a sudden the world's gone. It's gone. I mean, they don't belong in heaven because they're unrighteous. 
They can't live on earth because there's no place for them. Their money's gone, the house is gone, the land's gone, the position's gone, the business gone, their power's gone, their fame's gone, the drugs are gone, the alcohol's gone, the boats are gone, the campers are gone, golf courses are done away with, all the pleasure's gone. So the point is, there'll be no world for the unbeliever to live in. There's no place for them. So you have the place of judgment, the time of judgment. You have the people of judgment. Look at verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the things which were written in the books according to their works. And so the first resurrection was the resurrection of the just or the saved. But the second resurrection is the resurrection of the lost. It's going to take place after the kingdom rule. This is the beginning of hell for all the lost of all ages. Facing it right here. They're going to have resurrected bodies even as they stand there before the great white throne. Jesus said in John 5, listen to what he says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And this is the resurrection of the damnation. The lost from all the ages, those who have never embraced God's saving grace, and here they come. Verse 20, the B part, the small, the great, the kings, the emperors, the greatest of the great. But also the smallest of the small, they stand before God. They stand before God. And the book was open. It says this, notice that he says, but God's going to be the judge here at the great white throne. And the books were open, it's plural, they were open. Another book was open, that's singular, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And so what's going to happen? God's going to, God's going to judge them according to their works. Every unbeliever's name is going to be called. They're going to step forward. Your name will be called if you never trusted Christ. Not going to be overlooked. You're going to, your name's going to be called. You're going to step forward. You're going to be face-to-face with Jesus Christ on a throne, face-to-face with the one that you rejected. And you'll be judged according to your works. You get credit for the good, and then you get credit for the bad. And all, although the good outweighs the bad, the unbeliever is not perfect within himself because he or she rejected Christ, who would have forgiven their sins and clothed them in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because only sinless people go to a perfect heaven. Something has to happen to your sins. So there's a place of judgment, a time of judgment, the people of judgment, and the result of judgment found in verse 15. And I'll close with this. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. It boils down to if your name's written in the book of life. It's not the books and what you did or did not do, but if you trusted Christ and your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. 
The point is, one day you and I are going to meet Jesus face to face. It's going to be a glorious experience for the believer. It's going to be a terrifying experience for the unbeliever. This author is unknown, but I'll close with a poem. You've heard it. I had walked life's path with an easy tread, had followed where comfort and pleasure led, and then one day in a quiet place, I met the Master face to face. With station and rank and wealth for a goal, much thought for the body, but none for the soul, I thought to win in life's mad race when I met the Master face to face. I'd built my castles, I reared them high, till their own towers pierced the blue of the sky. I had vowed to rule with an iron mace when I met the Master face to face. I met him and I knew him and blushed to see that his eyes full of sorrow were turned on me. And I faltered and I fell at his feet that day while all of my castles faded away, melted and vanished. And in their place, I sought none else but my master's face. And I cried aloud, Oh, make me meet to follow the path of thy wounded feet. And now my thoughts are for the souls of men. I've lost my life to find it again. Ever since that day in a quiet place, I met the Master face to face. We'll meet him one day. It's going to be a blessed experience for the believer. Amen. It's going to be a terrifying experience for those who's rejected Christ. But it can be a blessed experience for you today as you trust Him as your Lord and say, you may not understand it all, but you understand that I'm lost without Jesus. He came and died on the cross for my sins, was buried and rose again. One day He's coming back and He's willing to forgive you of your sins if you'll put your faith and trust in Him. And He calls out to you today through an invitation to trust Him and only Him. For your salvation. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity to have, shared, to, share, to have shared your word this morning. Thank you for that glorious experience. We can only imagine what it would be like. But Father, we pray for those here today who have never trusted you as Lord and Savior of their life. Whatever age, Lord, you invite them to come. This is the day of salvation. This is an hour of salvation. And so we pray today your Holy Spirit will work in the lives of people as you call them to you. And Father, I pray that they would be obedient and they'd step out and they would come. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Terry's going to lead us.